0: This this is Emotional Management with Dr. Christian Conti. Brought to you by Summit Psychology Services on KDKA Radio. Welcome to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. What a beautiful day to be alive. What a beautiful day. Listen, even though it's a beautiful day to be alive, you might be struggling with something. There might be something going on in your life right now. And you might say, well, I want to appreciate the day. I want to appreciate how awesome this is, but I'm really struggling with an issue. This is the show where you get to call in, talk about anything that's going on with you. And I want to tell you something. You may say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm nervous about calling in. I don't want people to know about what's going on with me. Well, here's the great thing. You can be anonymous, <laughs> but give us a call. 866 866- 866 391 1020 Or you can email us on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. Or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. So yeah, if you don't feel like if you say, well, I'm afraid to call in and you want to text or email, that's why they provide that for us um, to be able to have that So what a beautiful opportunity tonight to talk about emotions. We all have emotions. We all deal with emotions every single day of our lives, but we don't always really focus on improving on the way we deal with them. I just completed a new workbook called Mastering What You Practice because look, we do. We master what we practice. In other words, we deal with all kinds of issues. And every day we deal with them, but do we really focus on getting better at handling those emotional issues? All too often we think it's the outside world. It's the outside world that needs to change. If everybody in the outside world could change, things would be better. But unfortunately we can't control the outside world. We only have control over one person. And that is you. So, hey, tonight's the the show. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the time for you to call in and talk about it. And I I had some interesting experiences over this past week, but I was able to, um, I was talking about leadership. I do a lot around leadership and you might think, how does leadership apply to me if you're not in an active position right now uh, of leadership? But the truth is you are in a position of leadership every moment. You're leading by your actions. Everyone around you is learning about you by the actions that they see you doing. So being mindful that people see your actions, not your intentions, is a really important concept to learn. So one of the things that gets in our way is ego. Ego is this concept of who we think we are. Now I believe we are much much deeper than just our ego and who and how we define ourselves. But our ego is one way one way to think about it is pride. Ego is that pride of like, hey, I already have all the answers. I don't need to learn anymore. That's what ego does. So when we talk to or when I was training leaders this past week, I was training some people in leadership positions and I said, I noticed that the younger ones, the first thing they would say is, I already do that. I already do that. I already do that. So they kept their, their focus wasn't on what can I learn in this moment, but what can I tell you that I already know? And I thought it was very interesting because the people who were a little older had some wisdom and life experience and weren't in a position of wanting to impress They were most eager to learn, and they actually had much more information. And I think that's what happens a lot of times when it comes to emotional struggles. You might have emotional struggles, but your ego kicks in and says, well, I already know how to handle it. And sometimes it takes just a little bit of humility to set that ego aside and reach out for help. I need help you need help. We all do, but we also all have each other. And the reality is because we have each other, we can lean on each other. Sometimes it's just like a, a tiny thing that we need to learn to do. There was a, a family and they, uh, <laughs> their son was getting in trouble all the time. And as their son got in trouble, they sent him away to a place where he could learn a monastery. So he was gone for about six months. And when he came back, they said, well, what did you learn? He said, all I learned to do was breathe. (laughs) So about uh, another year went by. Son came home. They said, "Uh, what did you learn? He said, all I learned to do was breathe. So more years went by. And again, the family asked him, what did you learn to do? What do you do there? he said, all I learned to do is breathe. And then finally, many years later, this young man now was an old man and he had reached enlightenment. He had attained wisdom. And they said, what is it that you've learned to do? And he said, finally, I've learned to breathe. Sometimes it's the most basic things that we need to stop and reflect on. In other words, sometimes in our relationships, we don't recognize that we're playing a role and we come across differently from how we believe that we're coming across. So let's say you wanna connect with a loved one and that loved one isn't listening. And you think, well, they're not listening. He's not listening. She's not listening. It's on It's on them. They're not listening what I would invite you to do, and you can call me, we can talk about this is try to figure out what you're doing that might be contributing to that person, not listening. You see, we get so caught up in, well, they should be listening to me. I have the answers. I have all this really good information, so they should be listening. But the reality is that people can only take in information that they're actually ready to hear. And if you're trying to connect with a loved one who's not listening, we can't just magically get them to all of a sudden listen, but what we can do is talk to you about the only person on planet earth you can control. That's you. So 866-391-1020 is the number, or the dollar bank instant access at kdkradio.com or 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. Emotional management. This is Emotional Management. <laughs> I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is a show where you get to call in and talk about anything that's going on with you. So I get a lot of people who will call and they'll they um, the write in and they'll say, How can I? Get a session with you. How can I sit down with you? And I tell them all the time, my schedule, I'm not taking on new people. But here's what I am doing. I'm doing a show on Monday nights where you can call in and we can hash it out right here. We can talk about anything that you need to talk about. The number is 866-391-1020. Or you can email on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. Or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. I've got some really good stuff coming up in the second hour that I'm excited about already. I just want to let you know I'm going to be joined uh, by a five-time Emmy award-winning journalist. And that's going to be exciting. Um, But I want to get to some questions. So, I'm going to pick it up from the Dollar Bank Instant Access. It says I need some help regarding styles of parenting. I work as a police officer, and my job is doing crime prevention. He says he works in uh, Maldives. That's in South Asia. Uh, he's he's had a lot of preteen awareness classes about how to keep children disciplined. And and I think what he's saying is disciplined and away from crime. And I really need some help around this. So I wanted to address this question because, first of all, I'm just uh, humbled that someone from uh, so far away is able to, you know, connect with the work that I'm doing. So I feel beyond humbled by that. And second, I want to talk about this because this is... I think this is the most important thing we can talk about when it comes to parenting when it comes to helping our children that's what this is all about that's what human being a human being is all about the the blessing of being able to guide young people in the best possible way you know we get a lot of money goes to uh jobs where people are are doing sports or maybe making movies and that's all wonderful. Those are all wonderful things, but there are so many people out there day in, day out who are guiding and, and raising children. And there is no credit. There are no awards being given to them. There are, it, it might be you at home right now where you are having children or grandchildren and you're literally shaping the future of this world. That's what's so honorable about working with children and young people. And I think, so for me, for this question, I want to start off by saying this, when we step back and we really look at what we're doing, we're able to get a greater meaning on our lives and on what we're doing so that we see it in a bigger light and we approach it in a bigger way. So think about this. When you're with your children or grandchildren and you're thinking, well, it's just the two of us, or it's just me and the kids, what you don't realize is the messages that you're teaching, the lessons that you're giving are lessons that are not only going to reverberate throughout your child's lives, but, or throughout, throughout your children's lives, but also with everyone they interact with. So this message gets to be much, much bigger. So here's this, this man who is a police officer in South Asia, working with children, trying to get preteens to have awareness about how do we make the right choices. So many years ago, even before my wife and I had our daughter, I came up with a theory on parenting and it's uh, it's called the four C's of parenting and I did this long before we even had a daughter. And I had worked with, I was a professional counselor for, for years and I had worked with people who were struggling in parenting. So I wanted to try to find a way to say it in the most, in the shortest way and the most down to earth relatable way. So here are my four C's of parenting, choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. I'll say those again one time, choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. So when we're talking to preteens, when we're talking to young people, to be able to get them to understand that they always have a choice, they have a choice in everything they do in life. Now, they might not like the, the choices that are presented to them because we can't always control what happens to us in life. And we're going to enter, we're going to experience things that we wouldn't pick for ourselves. We're going to experience events that that are disasters, tragedies, things that we wouldn't ask for. But once they happen, we still have a choice. We always have a choice, and every choice leads to a consequence. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that consequence is going to be negative. When we hear the word consequence, sometimes people associate it with being negative. But the truth is that. There are consequences for everything we do. If you drop your car keys, they will fall down. That's a consequence. It's not good or bad, right or wrong. It just is what it is. So if we can teach our children that they always have a choice and that those choices have consequences, that's an enormous lesson. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I have watched parents say, I'm not giving my... I'm not giving my kid choices. He doesn't have a choice. He will listen to what I'm saying. Okay. Well, ultimately, even if you feel like I'm, your child's going to listen to you, it, at the end of the day, your child still does have a choice. If they choose not to, then that's when you're going to give them a consequence or not give a consequence, depending on what you're going to do. But either way, that's a consequence for the child. So they're either going to get some sort of discipline or not, but there will be a consequence. So every choice has a consequence, and teaching children that is so important. Let me tell you why. So there's a difference between something called self-esteem and self-efficacy. Now, that might sound like a fancy word, but stick with me. Self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. In other words, if you're feeling good about yourself, if you're not feeling good about yourself, self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. But self-efficacy is how you feel about how you perform. So if a young person, if we tell a young person, they scribble a picture and they say, look, do you like this picture? And you say, oh, yes, it's beautiful. But they didn't, they didn't even put effort into it. And they don't really even believe it's beautiful. Then maybe they think, oh, you said it's beautiful. So their self-esteem rises for a moment. Maybe it doesn't because maybe they don't even believe you. But if instead we notice, wow, it looks like you really like to draw. Oh, I do like to draw. And what went behind you choosing to use that crayon or that marker or that pencil? And now they start to tell you about the process. Then they start to feel better about themselves. They start to understand that there is a part of life over which they do have control. And that is themselves. They have control over the effort they put into life. And not only that, but we also, by raising self-efficacy, we have people understand that they can always make a choice. Absolutely. They are free to make a choice, but that choice is going to come with a consequence. Now, if you raise self-esteem, let's say you do compliment people and you, you, you think you're raising that self-esteem okay, wonderful. I'm all about positivity. But if you raise self-esteem, you do nothing for self-efficacy. But watch this. If you raise children's self-efficacy, their self-esteem naturally comes up. So when you're working with young people and you're trying to have them understand that, look, I want you to stay away from crime You want to start to build their efficacy. Show them, yes, you do have a choice. You are empowered to have a choice about whatever you want to do. So I was in a women's prison uh, last week, and I was talking to an inmate who had, uh, she she did some stuff where she got in trouble, so now she was in this one particular unit. It was at night, and so there was no more phone calls. It was already like 9 o'clock at night. And she said, I need a phone call. I demand a phone call right now. And I said, well, first of all, that's not going to happen. That's not even an option at this time. Um, and so what I said to her was, here's where you are. And she said, I'm going to keep banging on the door then. I'm going to keep banging and yelling. And I said, okay, you have absolute free will to continue to bang on the door and scream and threaten everyone around you if that you want to do. But understand there's a consequence with that. So, just be really clear with yourself. You have a choice to keep doing it, but there will be a consequence. Understanding that is powerful. We're going to learn more about that, talk more about that coming up. 866 391 1020 or the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com. Or you can text us on the same number. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Hey, here's the number, 866-391-1020. Or you can email on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. Or you can text. If you have a question you want to text in, the number is 866-391-1020. And that text line is brought to you by Wright Automotive. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. Emotional management. This is the time to talk about whatever's going on. Let's say you have an issue with someone. I ran into someone, uh, in, uh, in Pittsburgh this week. A gentleman was extremely nice. He said, uh, he says, gave me kind words about the show. And I said, you're welcome to call in anytime you want. He said, no, I like listening. So I said, oh, I appreciate that. But listen, if you want to call in, 866-391-1020, love answering the questions from the emails. But I also really love having that dialogue. So give me a call. But I want to finish up with uh, the four C's. I want to continue with that because when we're guiding our young people, when you're guiding your children, when you're guiding your grandchildren, to be able to have this model of parenting, the four C's, I call them Dr. Conti's four C's. It is choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. So I was talking uh, earlier about when we give our children choices, what we do essentially is build their self-efficacy. We teach them to understand that every choice has a consequence. I remember uh, we were we had a beautiful trip to Disney World recently, and uh, my wife and daughter and I, and we were watching lots of people get really upset. Uh, parents from will get really upset, and it seems like it's a tough place to get upset, but the reality is the struggle is internal. It's internal, especially if you're in Disney World. The struggle's got to be internal because that's a beautiful place, but uh, one of the things that I noticed was the way people would yell at their children and say, don't run away from me and then start screaming at them. And I, I said, listen, when I, I was telling our daughter, I said, when you were young, I would always stand and we'd go to a crowded place and I would get down on a knee next to you. And I would say, Hey, does it look like it's not very crowded here? Does it look like it's very crowded? And she would say, very crowded. And I'd say, okay, do you, do you think it's a a good idea to run away into that crowd, or do you think it's a good idea to stay by me? She'd say, stay by me. I'd say, okay, great. Now, do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it'll be easy for me to find you if you're in that big crowd? Or do you think it'd be easier for me to find you if you're right next to me? She'd say right next to me. I'd say, that's great. So she would start to see the reasoning behind what was going on. Let me tell you what is behind what I just rattled off there. First of all, it was understanding in every given moment that my job with my daughter is to teach. It is always to teach. As a parent, my job is to teach. And so if I'm going to teach, let's think about it as a classroom setting, because a lot of times if we don't recognize that we're teaching, we forget What's the optimal way that young people learn? Well, it's not by having someone stand and scream over top of them. Think about young children. So we take this for granted a lot. So this is just kind of an interesting, an interesting understanding of how we relay information and how we give information. But I teach men when it comes to domestic violence to understand that if you're in an argument with your girlfriend or your wife, it's really important for you to sit down because if you're standing up and you're trying to posture or intimidate your loved one, uh, your, your girlfriend, your wife, uh, that's a very intimidating position. And you might not mean to be intimidating, but remember what I said at the onset of this show, people see your actions, not your intentions. It doesn't matter if you don't mean to be intimidating. It matters whether or not you actually are. I really believe strongly that as a man, it is my job to be in control of me, not try to be in control of anyone else. And so I really want to be able to, I say there's a big difference between demanding respect, which is you will respect me and commanding respect, which is living the kind of life that others want to emulate. So I I deviated into domestic violence, but you can kind of see how that gets there because Having so, for instance, my wife and I—we just recently celebrated our 18th uh, wedding anniversary. So we've been married for 18 years. If we got into an argument, for me, I'm six feet, 250 pounds. So for us to have an argument, uh, it's not—I it, would—I would look intimidating to her if we were standing up, because where she's much smaller than I am, she's like a third of me. So, uh, it's, it would be very intimidating. So even if I didn't mean to be, the reality is that that's how it would come across. Well, now let's think about that with our children, for all of you parents out there, for all of you grandparents, when you're talking to your children, when you're talking to your grandchildren, when you stand over top of them. You think about a little two-year-old, a little three-year-old, little four-year-old, how tiny they are, and they're looking up at you and they're kind of next back looking up at you. And here is this, you're this giant person in their eyes. And especially, especially when it comes to young children, because you are literally taking care of them and providing for them so that they can stay alive. So you have to really understand not only the role that you're playing in their lives, but how you're coming across to them. And so by telling them about the world and, and just yelling it at them, they're not really going to hear the optimal way children learn is by being able to have that dialogue, being able to show them. So choices and consequences, and then it's gotta be consistency. You've got to follow through that consistency is so, so important. So in other words, if you tell your child, I remember one time I was in, uh, I was doing a counseling session and a woman said, I said, I told my son I'm gonna knock his head off if he does that. And I said, well, listen, first of all, I'd rather you not knock your son's head off. But second of all, if you tell him you're gonna knock his head off and you don't, then you've just taught him that your word is not, is not your bond. And uh we kind of we were she was in a jovial mood when she was saying it, so she wasn't really meaning it. So I said, Well, A, I I def- definitely don't want you to knock your son's head off, but B, I don't want you to take away your own credibility. And every time you say you're gonna do something and you don't, you're taking away your own credibility. And this could be the same as if you tell your child, hey, if you do really well on this test, I'm gonna take you to the park. If you that your child does really well in the test, and then you don't take them to the park, you're losing credibility. So our credibility can go really fast. The good news is we can get that credibility back quickly, but we must remain consistent with what we say. Choices, consequences, consistency. We've got to follow through with what we say. And then finally, the the fourth C is compassion. We've got to do it with love. And And when we approach our young people with love, we are letting them see that they are valued and we're leading with compassion. My goodness is that changed things. So think about this. If I yell and scream and holler at you, then your fight or flight response is kicked in. And now you're worried about survival right now. You're not worried about a lesson. What if I'm going to start telling you about math and 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 different advanced concepts when I'm screaming and yelling while you're trying to worry about your life. When I lead with compassion, I'm able to say, look, let's get, let's get rid of the, the, the safety part. Cause you know, you're safe. This is a safe environment. And now we get to get into the actual learning part. So choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. So many parents out there will say to me, but I don't I'm not, you know, I don't want to be my child's friend. I'm not saying you need to be your child's friend. You still want to be that role model for your, you are your child's teacher, but here's the way you're going to teach your children best about the world. If you're in control of you, not trying to control them, but teach them. I can't tell you this enough. All too often, if parents, let's say everything works out and your children listen to every single word you say, but you've not taught them to think for themselves. And then they go out into the world and someone tells them, try this or that. Well, well, if mom or dad's not here to tell me, then I don't know what to do. So 866-391-1020 is the number if you want to call and let's talk about it, or you can email us on KDKRadio.com or 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. It's KDK Radio, and this is Emotional Management. Welcome to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. It's a show where we get to talk about life, whatever's going on with you. If you want to talk, the number is 866-391-1020, or you can email us on a dollar bank instant access at kdkradio.com. or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. Let's go to the phone lines. Dave, you are on KDKA radio. Dave, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, that's why it's good sometimes to homeschool your child. Uh, there's a site on this, Daniel Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. It says 1387 WordPress. The translation is at the back end of the handover drink picture. It says, please admit."
0: Mm. We lost you. Um, but that's a good point we bring up about the whole homeschool, going to school, and what would be best. And uh, that's up for you to decide. Uh, whatever you, as a as a parent, I think parents ask me all the time, what's my opinion on that? Well, I don't think my opinion matters. I think what matters is your opinion. What do you want? Here's what I say. Think about what it is that you want for your children. Do you want them? One of the great things about homeschool is you're able to give your children maybe the more hands-on type stuff that you want to give them, that individualized treatment. But one of the things they miss out on are all the social interactions. And the reality is we need to have social interactions um, in life. We need to get good at that. We're going to master what we practice. So there are pros and cons to, to it all for sure. Uh, that's for each family to figure out whether or not people should be homeschooled, be not homeschooled. That's up to you. But but what I would say is no matter what you're doing, whether it is homeschool or in school, remember that you are your child's teacher? So choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. Now let's uh, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, James, James, you're on KDKA Radio. Practical nurse back in the '80s in West Palm Beach and LPN. But my question is, I have a bear cast scanner. Hmm, lost it. Uh, no worries, lost, lost the call there, but, um, we're going to keep focusing. We're going to focus on the things that you need. If you want to get if you want to talk, if you've got an issue and you're saying, Hey, I got to figure this out I'm struggling eight, six, six, three, nine, one, 10 is the number. Um, again, you can text us as well at eight six six three nine one ten twenty on the right automotive text line. I want to go to a question. The question is, uh, this is a text and it says, um, from Steve, it says, does anger come from fear? That's a great question. And that's really, really an important question because oftentimes, yes, absolutely. Anger can come from fear. So here's a really interesting fact. We would much rather be angry than afraid. Think about it. When you're afraid, your body is sending a bunch of cortisol and adrenaline, and it just doesn't feel good. Anyone who's ever struggled with anxiety or anyone who's ever been afraid understands that it doesn't feel very good to be afraid. On the flip side, when you lash out in anger, in those moments where you lash out, You're actually flooding your body with endorphins. That's that feel good hormone. So momentarily, it feels better to lash out with anger. And that's one of the reasons why we will unconsciously be angry really quickly with people because it is kind of a step up from fear. The problem is. And I hope people don't cut off right after that, because the problem is understanding what comes next. It's not just a matter of, oh, then let me just always be angry and then I won't be afraid or I won't be anxious. Because when we lash out with anger, we often feel bad, rightfully so, for the things that we do when we're angry, which causes us guilt, which causes us shame, which leads us right back to that same cycle. So there is a better way. In other words, when you feel afraid, when you feel, when you're not, when you're not in a life threatening situation, when let's talk about anxiety, when you feel anxiety, um, then instead of getting angry and lashing out, it's really important to just communicate to your loved ones. Hey, I'm struggling with anxiety right now. Hey, my body is physiologically anxious right now. I was talking to, um, uh, woman last week. And, um, I was talking to an inmate and we were in a particular part of the prison that I hadn't been in before. And so as we were sitting there talking, I had a bunch of caffeine that day. So my, my body felt physiologically anxious and the radiator started to make this sound. So I said to her, I'm going to just, <laughs> I want to throw this out there. Cause I wanted to role model to what I'm trying to teach her. So I said to her, you know, my body feels, physically anxious because I drank a bunch of caffeine and as I'm listening to that radiator, I can't help but have this really wild thought of, um, is this room about to blow up? And she laughed and she said, "Um, no, 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 it always sounds like that. And I said, oh, okay, thank you so much for letting me know. And I said, listen, I want you to see what just happened there. My body felt chemically anxious because, there was an actual reason I had way too much caffeine. And then in that moment, when I felt chemically anxious, my brain, my mind wants to match my body. So it created a really quick story. It searched for a story to make sense out of that anxiety. So it said, Oh no, what if this radiator blows up this room? And in that moment, it was a good teaching moment for the interaction with the inmate I was talking to, but it's something that I want to share with you because it, all it took was that moment of saying it's a, it's almost a moment of vulnerability to say, listen, I'm simply sharing with you what's going on with me and without judgment, without saying, Oh, this is terrible that my body's feeling this. I'm simply acknowledging, yes, my body does feel this way and listen to my brain, try to create a story. Your mind always wants to match your body. So does anger come from fear? Steve, great question. It can, it absolutely can. It doesn't mean it always does, but it certainly can. Listen, I'm really excited about what's coming up on this show in the second hour, because we're going to have Kimberly Clapp on. She is a five time Emmy award-winning journalist. She's an executive vice president of community engagement at addiction policy forum. Uh, she's a phenomenal person, really phenomenal. And she actually participated in the KDKA, uh, anti-drug, uh, summit, event that we had here, uh, a week or so ago. So I'm really excited to have her on coming up. If you want to be a part of the conversation, both while Kimberly's here and afterward, if you have questions, about anything in life, anything that you're struggling with, the number is 866-391-1020. Or you can email us in the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. Or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. So we, we, we talk about a lot of different issues on this show. And we'll continue to do that because this is emotional management. So there could be anything that could possibly come up, but I'm super, super excited for what's about to come up because my goodness, you're going to love the energy of this woman. Kimberly has amazing energy and you're going to hear it coming right up on emotional management on KDKA radio. This is emotional management. This is a show where we talk about, That one thing that we don't really talk about in life, and that's the emotions that you have. And you can talk about anything you want. If you're struggling, you have an issue, you have a a, a struggle with some family member, and you want to talk about it, the number is 866-391-1020. Or you can email us in the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. Or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. Now, right now, I am joined by, I'm so excited about this, Kimberly Clapp. She is, I mean, we're talking about a five-time Emmy Award-winning journalist, and we're talking about someone who is the Executive Vice President of Community Engagement for the Addiction Policy Forum. Kimberly, welcome to the Emotional Management Show.
1: Christian, I am honored to be on your show. Anytime I'm in your space... I learned something. You touched my head. You touched my heart. So I know you think you're interviewing me, but you're the one who's going to say the powerful stuff tonight. It always happens that way.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, I love your energy. I was just saying, like, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm so excited because wait till you hear her. I, I'm excited for her to meet you in person. But I said, wait till you hear her. her energy is just fantastic. You light up a room um, when you come in it. And speaking of going into rooms, you were a part of that very powerful uh, anti-drug summit for KDKA a few weeks ago. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: It was, as you mentioned, emotional management. It was emotional. You had a few hundred high school kids in one large auditorium. We had police officers who are seeing the drug crisis firsthand on the streets. We had a doctor, very compassionate, who was there to listen to people. We had a dad who lost his son to an overdose and then a young woman who has found her way to recovery. And then KDKA did such a great job. They had two microphones there, and they invited the kids to come up and share their own stories about how they had been impacted by addiction. And they really did. They talked about cousins that they lost or friends. Uh, Some of them had parents who were struggling with heroin use disorder and somehow managing to pull their lives together and the kids, you know, sometimes we don't give teenagers enough credit, but they were really compassionate Mm. um, toward their fellow teens who had the courage to stand up there and share how they've been impacted by addiction.
0: It's, it's really, it's gut wrenching when we see how many people in fact are impacted by addiction. And as you say, like these, Young people, you, you talk about the courage they stand up and they actually are able to say it. And then once they do talk about what's going on, it can really flatten you. And and it was interesting because you and I, we we were at an event at an event together a couple uh, maybe I don't know maybe a month ago. Boy, is time flying here. Uh, it's been an All eventful right. month, but I think maybe a month, maybe it was two months. But we were at an event and we were talking. We were listening to people who had lost loved ones. To addiction and we both were looking at each other like my goodness like doesn't matter how many times we've done this it is extremely powerful
1: what I found so incredible about that are you talking about family day with the addiction policy forum in Washington
0: D. yes C.? yes
1: every year the addiction policy forum you know, it's a nonprofit that is the voice for patients and families who are struggling with addiction. And that is the day we are reminded of that. And here those families and those patients come to Washington. They try to change policy. They talk to politicians. They put a real faith and a heart on these issues. And I was actually a TV reporter at the time. I was asked to be an MC, So I didn't know exactly what I was walking into. And at one point, I looked around the room like you did, Christian, and thought all of these people could be home rocking themselves in a corner, crying themselves to sleep every night for the love that they have lost and the pain that they've been through. And instead, they are here trying to save the next person's loved one, the next family's child. Mm. And I was so moved by that, that they were willing to pour their pain and their passion into solving this crisis. And and that's a really big task. So I guess it's more honest to say just helping the next family. I'm so moved by them. I've never seen such a motivated group of people who have lost so dearly and so painfully. And when they go to Capitol Hill, by the way, it's the most bipartisan issue. I mean, it doesn't matter what party uh, you're with, I mean, the bill that we helped draft and pass, the opioid bill that the president just signed, I think had one dissenting vote in the Senate. Hmm. You you don't see that very often in Congress. So there is compassion out there when families have the courage to come forward and express where the law is broken, where the gaps are, how treatment works, how we need more treatment centers, how we spend 98 cents on every dollar on incarceration and two dollars on prevention or two cents out of every dollar on prevention and treatment and we need to flip that as you well know I mean how much time do you spend in the prison systems and people who are dealing with addiction and what they really need is is to be helped and go into recovery
0: Constantly. And their
1: lives to be turned around
0: well no you're you're right there's my goodness there's so much in there but you're right it's, when you hear the numbers like that it does it does floor you to realize that we wait until people are already hurting. So a big part of our message at Addiction Policy Forum is trying to get people to understand, like have that conversation because there are so many people who when once they, we see it all the time with families who once they have already lost their loved one or their loved one has gone through so much, now they're willing to acknowledge it and talk about it. but. There are so many families out there who just don't want to talk about it. They think, well, maybe if I don't talk about it, maybe it'll go away. And that's just, to me, that's just the opposite message. I think the more we address it, the more we can bring it to light, the better chance we have to save some lives.
1: Christian, every family has the right to hold private how their loved one died, right? And you and I have been to funerals of young people, and you wonder if nobody says, how did they die? You do wonder. How did they die? Is there something I can learn from this young life lost? And some of the things that our families say are these myths that hurt us in our society. And and you just touched on them a bit. And one is waiting for that myth of waiting for rock bottom. Mm. We think that we're supposed to wait for rock bottom till someone is at their absolute worst. Well, do we do that for cancer? I mean, do we wait till someone gets the stage four cancer before we treat them? Or do we amputate and then we talk about treating the diabetes? I mean, it's the opposite with every other disease. And so our families who have lost their children say, do not wait for rock bottom because some don't survive the fall.
0: This is what I'm talking about. I'm I'm telling you, Kimberly, your energy is beautiful. I'm so excited to continue this conversation coming up after this. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. It's a show where we get to talk about all things life. The number is 866-391-1020 if you want to join us. Or you can email on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. Or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. I'm so excited. You, If you heard that segment, you see why I was so excited. Kimberly Clapp, five-time Emmy Award winning journalist. Her energy is beautiful. This is The work she's doing now with Addiction Policy Forum, and that's what we're hitting on. So let's talk a little bit about that, because one of the things that you did in the past um, in your your journalism was uncovered stories about powdered caffeine, and I think that would be something to really shine light on.
1: Yeah, Christian, I was a consumer investigative reporter, and powdered caffeine, we did a report on the risks to teenagers in particular because uh, they were using it, especially young men, to give them an extra boost at the gym, for example. Mm. And the FDA came out saying that two teaspoons of powdered caffeine is the equivalent of 50 cups of coffee. Wow. And most people's hearts can't take all that drug powering through there. Wow heart and so two young men died after they took some powdered caffeine just to help them boost their workout and you know it speaks to the russian roulette problem that our young people are really facing with drugs today you don't know how potent that drug is mm-hmm. that you're taking that pill that you're taking what you're vaping what you're jeweling the unknown can be deadly and you throw fentanyl into the mix which is happening, as you know, especially in Pennsylvania, and uh, it, it is deadly. Your first hit might be your last.
0: Well, that that actually just happened recently. Uh, two young people were at a party, and uh, they were at a friend's house. They thought they were trying uh, pain medicine, which in and of itself is something we want to shine light on. Um, however, it was, had, had fentanyl on it and the two young men uh, died and it was, it's so sad. We hear so many of these stories, but there's, I mean, I'm just like, there's so much I want to talk about with you right now. I feel like I'm going (laughs) a hundred miles an hour because you're right with that. Like, first of all, it's just startling what you just shine light on with the two, two teaspoons of caffeine and what that can do. Um, and that young people can get it. So. I'm, I always try to tell, like, for instance, I'll tell this to my daughter all the time. Like you want to be mindful when you put a drink down somewhere, you don't know if someone were to put something like that in it or anything, you have to be mindful about that.
1: That's right. You really don't know. There's a heartbreaking story. It was printed in USA Today about a mom and her two sons were beer drinkers and they thought that was harmless. They're high school kids, rite of passage. And somebody at a party gave them two pills to drop in their beers, and they both overdosed and died that night. Oh, so the Russian roulette that our kids are dealing with today, it's it's really risky. It's obviously not worth it.
0: No, it's not. And so, I you know, earlier on the show, I was answering a question um, from a gentleman who wrote in actually from South Asia, and was he's working with young people, and I talk about my... Four C's of parenting, choices, consequences, consistency, and compassion. And I talk about the making young people aware that they have choices and then understanding that all of their choices have consequences for exactly what you're shining light on right now, which is if and you use a very powerful phrase, Russian roulette. So here are these young people who are trying this or that. And to understand that one of those choices could be their final choice.
1: At the Addiction Policy Forum, we come up with these toolkits where we try to help uh, district attorneys deal with this crisis or medical professionals and emergency departments. And we have this toolkit for parents where we have these 10 tips, and they hit on your four C's also. And our number one tip is to talk early and often to your children about the research, about the stories that happen to other families. Um, If you have a drink in front of you, that's okay. That's an opportunity to explain the difference between the adult brain and the adolescent brain, which hasn't fully formed yet. Mm. You know, children whose parents talk to them about the risks of drug and alcohol are 50% less likely to use those substances. Your words matter. They might act like they don't care what you're saying or that you're annoying them like crazy, but... Children whose parents talk to them about the risks of drug and alcohol are 50% less likely to use those substances.
0: That that alone is worth, like, I, I wish there was a way to reach in the hearts of all of our listeners right now and really feel that. Children whose parents talk to them about the use of substances they're 50% less likely and 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 you're you hit on something very important which is a lot of times parents will say well, well they don't want to listen or they and so maybe their face is showing you that they don't want to listen but the reality is I know this because as a counselor who's had more than 20,000 hours of clinical experience I've sat with young people who they'll tell me what they're really feeling. And so they might say that I've had young people out now say like, of course I have to act like I don't care, but I know, I, believe me, I love my mom. I love my dad, but I, I act like that. I don't know. I just do. And I don't think they fully understand that, but they well, do.
1: You know, in your research in psychiatry and psychology that children, teenagers have to separate themselves from their parents to develop. That's what they do. And so they push us away. They act like they're not listening. They act like they hate us. But more research says 80% of kids ages 10 to 18 say their parents are their biggest influence on their decision to drink or not to drink alcohol. So our voices do matter. And, that you know, that goes for grandparents and coaches and mentors, too. So even if you don't have children, if children are in your life in some way, you can have a meaningful impact.
0: Well, and I, I was saying uh, this a few weeks back on the show, I said, uh, if I want to have a conversation and let's say, let's say it's for now, for me, this, this subject and many subjects are pretty, I mean, because I do this for a living. So when my daughter and I talk, we are just going to throw it out there. But if there is any subject that is the slightest bit uncomfortable, I might say, Hey honey, you know, how there's a beginning, middle and end to every situation well, I'm going to bring up something that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but there will be a beginning, middle and end and we're going to get through it. Uh, but I would rather just talk about it and get through it. And then we'll kind of laugh at that part, but then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about it because I don't want, I don't want something to not have been said that could have been said, but you know, exactly. it, the challenges, a lot of parents will say, um, well, I don't even know where to begin. So what advice do you have for parents? Like, i tell you what I'm saying, but what might you say to parents? I don't know where to begin. How do I bring this up?
1: So at the Addiction Policy Forum, we have this toolkit for parents, 10 tips about talking early and often, supporting healthy activities. We've got eight more really important tips, and we explain and back them up with research how you can impact your child, keep them safe from addiction. But also, Christian, I know what you're saying about it's an uncomfortable topic, and that's why we try to approach these stories and these conversations always with science as a backing, because science makes us Less uncomfortable, it's less emotional, it's based in fact, it's based in research. And you know, we consulted with the scientists over at NIH and the drug institute over there, they're the best in the world. And they helped us come up with these four videos about what is addiction. That's something you can show to your teenager. And I think kids are so smart; they want a cool science lesson. And you're obsessed with the brain.
0: Oh yes, you know it. You know I am. I'm hoping will you stick around for one more segment with us uh, right after this break? This is emotional management, I'm Dr. Christian Conti. I'm so excited because Kimberly Clapp is on the line with me and listen, this energy is flowing here. It's just, it's really fun talking with you Um, because look, the work that you're doing is so, it's so meaningful. Like this is the epitome of meaningful work. You're out there traveling now all over the country, helping people become aware so that we can have conversations to try to genuinely save lives around this addiction.
1: You know, in two segments ago, we talked about the myth of waiting for rock bottom and how a lot of people say that harmed their family. And the other myth I want to make sure we talked about was that people say, oh, well, she's not ready for treatment and, and someone really has to be ready for treatment. And we don't believe that at the Addiction Policy Forum. We think sometimes you have to coerce people into treatment before they're ready if you want to save their lives. And the other thing I hear a lot, Christian, across the country, is people express very strong judgments on this one. You don't, you don't hear it a lot about cancer. I mean, if someone was a smoker, maybe there's a little judgment there, and you don't hear about a lot of other diseases or schizophrenia. I mean, you don't really get blamed for being schizophrenic. But if you have an addiction problem, I people are compelled to want to lay blame, and they'll say it comes out in conversations like this well I don't know how I feel about paying for clean needles for drug addicts right or how many times is it too many to provide naloxone you know we keep bringing these people back to life and at some point I mean how many times is too many and what I say is I don't know if it were your child how many times is too many right if it were your child would you want her to have a clean needle could that be a doorway to getting treatment? Could that be a doorway to compassion and help? Because the opposite is, is death and destruction. Right. In a really sad state of affairs, as you know, we lose almost 200 people every day to overdose, drug overdose. And if you add alcohol, it's more than 400 Americans every single day. So I'm not sure that blaming people for these behaviors is helping very much.
0: Well, so I, a couple things. Um, one, let's start with that, that myth of rock bottom. And I, I don't totally, I'm with you on that. And the reason why is this. I ran, people were sentenced to 52 weeks of anger management in the state of California. So after they committed a, a violent crime and spent time in prison or spent time in jail and they got out, they then had to come to my groups where they were sentenced to 52 weeks of anger management. Now, and they would have to pay for this out of their own pocket. So you talk about angry people and talk about absolutely mandated to be there. Um, and they were furious. Here's what we saw. And here's why I'm as passionate as I am about what I do, A, and B, why I completely agree that it's only a myth to talk about waiting till rock bottom, because the truth is this, they were mandated in my groups, but they would finish their 52 weeks, they would get off parole and probation, and they would come back voluntarily to the group because what we were giving them in those groups was information that they absolutely they thrived on it. They saw how it changed their lives. They were able to implement it. And so for me, I've spent a career out of people who've been mandated to come see me, but then end up being able to internally motivate them. And so I agree. We don't need to wait until someone hits rock bottom to say, well, if we force them, or if someone's made to do treatment, you may think, well, they're well, if they're not ready, they're not going to change. Well how about this? What if the treatment, and this is, is happening, there are treatment centers, there are places that are so effective at actually treating people who are struggling with these disorders that they will motivate them to change. So we don't need to wait for rock bottom.
1: It's true. And to that point, you don't have to be ready. I mean, you just talked about coerced treatment and how well it works. Um, in, in, uh, Massachusetts, in Salem, Massachusetts, the DA there has a drug diversion program. And if you've committed a low-level crime and you do have an addiction problem, he'll offer you a deal and say, so you enter this treatment program for a year and we'll drop your charges. And they have a pretty decent success rate for the people who take that deal. I wish that every DA could do that because we'd have a lot fewer people filling up our prisons. We'd have a lot healthier people, uh, a lot happier too. Uh, But what we do here is there aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of treatment centers all over across the country. Um, at Addiction Policy Forum, we map treatment deserts to show our members of Congress and state leaders where they need to provide more treatment to people who need it to keep them out of prisons and to get them back on a health healthy track.
0: So let's talk about the the website for Addiction Policy Forum that people can go to um, to start to learn about that. But we're also going to give we want to give the number as well, because there is a number to call where people are, they're going to get genuine help there. So the That's right. the the website itself, addictionpolicy.org, um, and then the number is 833-301-4357. That's H-E-L-P. So one 301 4357 And let's talk a little bit about that line.
1: You're referencing our helpline, and it went active this year. It's a national helpline. It's called ARC. It stands for Addiction Resource Center. It's manned 24-7 by medical professionals. And uh, when people call 833-301-HELP, they will talk to someone who knows – knows where to direct them and how to guide them. And we have had more than 38,000 families in crisis reach out just in the last six months mm. to our Addiction Resource Center. The average length of a call, and this is so big to you, Christian, the average length is an hour mm. on the phone. So people are really turning to them for help. And anyone can. You can if you're concerned about yourself. Or
0: you're concerned about a loved one yes and and like a, a piece that's very uh, means a lot to me around this is the when you talked about judgment because so i've kind of made a career i've said this all uh, for a long time my my superpower look i can't sing i can't dance but what one of my superpowers is i i just don't judge people like i've seen so much of people's stories i've seen the other side of people's stories for so long that for me like judgment. It just doesn't make sense. I believe that we judge people out of fear. Uh, we, we we have a lot of people who will uh, subscribe to a particular religious belief, and I don't know of any religious beliefs that say, hey, we should really uh, judge other people. I think really, they even most religious beliefs say, let God figure that out. Don't you figure that out. Um, but yet, yeah, if we can believe that in one sentence and then the next sentence uh, judge others. But I think you're you're right. And for me, it's a very important thing that we wipe away judgment and we actually just talk about what we know. And we know a lot. Like you said, addiction policy form is based on science, on research. Right. So this isn't that just is guessing.
1: secret weapon. We're trying to build empathy through science. And when you learn about the science and what addiction does to the brain, yes, of course, choice plays in in the early stages. Right. But so do genetics. So does your environment. So does your age of first use. The younger you are, the try these substances, the more likely you'll have an addiction problem. So a lot of those factors or factors we can't control and then when the addiction does take hold of the brain wow what a powerful hijacker as we call it right. and when it hijacks that central part of your brain that tells you I am more important than caring for your young I'm more important than food or sleep or even sexual relationships that is a powerful hijacker and so to blame someone for being under that control is not getting us very far. And to help them get out from under that control, that's our job. And that's what I'm here to try to help people do.
0: Well, I cannot thank you enough, man. I had you stay on even longer than I asked you. And I appreciate (laughs) that. I'm going to have you next time you're in Pittsburgh. I'm going to have you come into the studio to join me for the whole two hours of the show. Um, because I feel like we have so much that we could talk about. Plus I know that there'll be a lot of callers who are going to want to Uh, call in and and talk with you as well. But I cannot thank you enough for for joining us tonight. Would you give everybody the number again that they can call if they have a loved one who's struggling with addiction?
1: Yes. For the Addiction Resource Center, it's 833-301-HELP. That's 833 301 4357 And Christian, you're such a kind soul, and you do such good work. I don't think anyone's ever said no to you, so I'm not going to be the first. I'll come on your show anytime.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you want to be a part of this show the number is 866 391 1020 or the dollar bank instant access at kdkradio.com. Or you can text us at 866 391 1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. This is the Emotional Management Show. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Hey, if you want to talk, there's still time to have a physical conversation 866-391-1020 or you can email on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line that's the best deal in pittsburgh what an amazing conversation with kimberly clap i was so excited to have her i told you that her energy was going to be fantastic, and it absolutely was. It'll be great to have her in the studio at some point coming up. Um, What a powerful topic. So I talk about that judgment. That's the part I want to highlight because I think this is – there's so many things to highlight. For instance, the whole having a conversation, I think we cannot say enough about the point that Kimberly made regarding 50% less likely. When children have the conversation with their parents, they are 50% less likely to use those substances. Look, that is, I mean, that's just eye-opening. And then when it comes to the judgment piece, I get that when we have fear, I talked about it earlier with a the question. There was a uh, someone who wrote in, Steve had written in and asked about anger and fear. And look, when it comes to Uh, drugs, when it comes to addiction, there's a lot of fear around it. Oh no. What if this happens to my loved one? What if this happens to, you know, people? And so with that fear, when we see people struggling, when we see people being harmed, then what do we cover it up with? Anger. And what can come out of anger? Judgment. And so that judgment just spreads. And then we shut people down. And I can't tell you how many times through the years people have told me in one-on-one counseling sessions, I was afraid to bring this up because of how people would receive it. And I think I have maybe a unique perspective on life, but my perspective is this. Who am I to say how you should be going through life? You're going through life In the best way that you possibly can. You're doing the best you can with what you have in every given moment. And just the way you feel those harsh judgments for others, imagine what others are thinking about you having those harsh judgments. Around and around it goes. We cannot overcome anger with more anger. We can't do it. And so how do we heal anger? How do we heal judgment? How do we heal? Look, the, the divisiveness that's rampant throughout our country. We can't do it by saying, well, everybody else has to change. I know we'll do it when the other side, whoever believes opposite from me, whenever they change, then I'll be okay. Well, let me tell you why that philosophy doesn't work. I had a hands-on experience. I, I told you a little bit about it earlier. We were, we were in Disney World. My wife and daughter and I were in Disney World a few weeks ago, and that is the happiest place in the world, and people still weren't happy there. So don't think that you're going to be happy when someone who believes differently from you automatically starts to believe what you believe. If you're unhappy, you're likely going to be unhappy no matter what the outside circumstances are to conquer how you feel, to conquer anger and divisiveness. You've got to master your own emotions. You have to master your emotions. Now to do that, you got to practice it. You got to look inward instead of looking outside, thinking the whole world needs to change. Others need to change. Think about what you can do differently when it comes to communicating with your loved ones. Maybe you have a tough conversation that you want to have with your loved ones. Instead of making your first thought how they're not listening, make your first thought about what you're doing that's eliciting that in them. We have a tendency to minimize the harm we cause others and maximize the harm they cause us. So we might... Shut our loved ones down and then say, Well, I didn't mean to, so I didn't, I, I, it doesn't count. Well, it does count. If you're shutting them down, you're shutting them down. If you want to have good conversations around anything emotional, the best thing you can do is help your loved ones feel safe. When they feel safe enough and they don't feel judged, they're going to open up. And that's really why I do this show to help you learn as much as you can about your emotions, to help you become that safe space so that you can have the kind of conversations that you want to have. The number is 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access is the KDKRadio.com. and you can text us at 866-391-1020 on a right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. This is the Emotional Management Show. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio.